Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in the studio right across from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hi, Matt. Very exciting news. I am recording this while also petting Putty. He's right by my side, really keeping me calm because guess what? It's been a shit week (laughs) and I'm ready to rage. Yeah, if he farts a single time, (laughs) I will (laughs) evict him from this studio. Just so you know, just so you're aware of what the rules are. Honestly, he'd deserve it. It's okay. I understand. It's fine. I don't know. I've had a weird week also. Um, I can't taste or smell anything. Shut your goddamn (laughs) mouth. Yes, you can. Um, no, I took an at-home test today, and it was muggy. Yay. Um, but, yeah, I have been excessively tired this week. It's also been so back and forth. Like, today it was, like, 80 degrees, and yesterday it was, like, 30 degrees. It I doesn't know. make any sense. Also, I had this bad omen happen again in the same spot where I had a bad omen two years ago. Two years okay. ago, I was standing in front of the vet, and a little baby bird f- took its first flight out of the nest and then landed right in <gasps> front of me and died, and I watched it, and I fully cried. And then today, I was standing in the same spot, and a fucking egg just fell out of the nest and cracked behind me and I was like okay first of all this mama bird needs to learn a lesson and move her goddamn nest Yeah. and uh, second of all wow that really ruins your day let me tell you Witnessing witnessing baby bird death really just brings you down. Anyway, uh, what is happening on today's episode? We're actually going to dive right into our deep dive because we got another round of Rant Hotline. Our voicemail box is filled to the brim with your bitching. And we're going to share some of our faves and complain right along with you. And this time we had so many good ones. 
we just had to make it an extra long segment. We had to. So we're skipping worse things first and going right to the deep dive for an extra long rant hotline. And guess what? If there are if there are stories from this week that were really wacky that you want to comment on, you can still share that on Instagram and we'll probably repost it and talk about it. So if you still want that content, guess what? We can still provide in some way. Or we'll just talk about it next week. Yeah, or you could just subscribe to Matt's Patreon and get some bonuses there anyway. Finally, we have poet, podcaster, writer, Tommy Pico as our guest complainer. You've heard him on the podcasts Food for Thought and Scream Queen. You've seen his work on TV shows like Reservation Dogs, and now you'll hear him bitch about licking armpits, the process of writing, Beyonce's epic poems, and so much more. Also, before we get in the show, I'm doing some stand-up, perhaps near you, Phoenix, Arizona, October 23rd, Wilmington, Delaware, Friday, November 12th, and Syracuse, New York. I'll be on a lineup there Saturday, November 13th, so you can check that out at maposide.com slash tour and come see me and meet me. Because guess what, ladies and gentlemen, mostly gents, this guy doesn't have a face for radio. You're going to want to see it live and in person. Look at that gorgeous mug on you. I do have a face for radio. But I defy (laughs) culture to tell me otherwise. I mean, they have. (laughs) Anyway, on with this goddamn show. All right, everybody, it's time for another edition of Rant Hotline. We pick some of our favorite recent rants from you, our lovely listeners who have called into our Rant Hotline, left us your amazing rants uh, for us to listen to. And now we pick some of our absolute favorites and we're going to rant along with you. Shall we do it? Let's do it. You've reached the voicemail box of Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate. So why don't you leave us your rant after the beat? Matt, we have to talk about Ted Lasso. Putting aside the fact the show's not even remotely <laughs> fucking funny, uh, how is this show, like, what existence, or what plane of reality does the show take place in? You, Matthew Bellasai, would fucking mm. hate Ted Lasso in real life. Can you imagine this mustachio dickhead uh, walking into your fucking office every morning with unlabeled treats, leaving them for you, and then saying, oh, shit, like, well, I'm not great, but you're going to pick me later. Fuck off. Fuck this fucking show. Are you kidding me with this shit? And Ted is terrible at his job. Are you kidding me? We're told he's good, but we're shown he's not. It's season two. Still doesn't know what offsides is. I didn't think I would say this in 2021, but Americans are not that dumb. We can do sports. We understand offsides. It's not the complex. What the fuck is this show? (laughs) 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 Um, First of all, I absolutely don't know what offsides is. You could tell me a thousand times I'm never going to know sports. I personally am an American who is dumb enough to not know sports. So I do just want to get that part out of the way. That's really my only nitpick here. Yeah. What about you? How you feeling? Yeah. As someone who doesn't know anything, like granted, I am not a football coach. Mm -hmm. I am not an American football coach as Ted Lasso is. Mm -hmm. in the show so um you know perhaps you would have a higher standard for an american football coach to understand sports rules yeah i don't understand them at all Uh -uh. so americans are that dumb and we can't do sports first of all (laughs) i would rebut that one second of all sir calling me by my full christian name (laughs) i don't understand if 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 
Jason Sudeikis came into my office every morning and gave me unprovoked a bunch of baked goods with that mustache. I would bend over. Okay. <laughs> I'd fully pull down my pants and bend over and let him have his way with me while I eat all of those things. Does, okay? Yep. Absolutely. I want, agree. I've wanted nothing more than those treats on Ted Lasso. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I would probably punch Ted Lasso in the face occasionally. Yeah. He is an annoying person. But you'd also let him punch you in the face. Yeah. I think that goes without saying. I will say, well, I don't know. I The season one was amazing. Season two has been a bit of a, more of a struggle. It has. It has. I've continued with it, but. I still love Ted Lasso and you can't talk me out of this and I'm sorry. Okay. I'm I'm sorry to have to get so positive on you. Oh, you're oh you're a real Ted Lasso over there. It's true. You know what? We love TV. We love talking about TV. And the Rant Hotline is a great place to also bitch about TV. So how we feel about your opinion uh, and whether or not it's right is maybe doesn't even matter in this moment. We're just glad you called. I, I also still love, I'm just going back through, the fact that they were, uh, uh, he specified that they were unlabeled treats. I, I just love the unlabeled treats. <laughs> <laughs> the adjective unlabeled. <laughs> Being a, a sticking point, mm-hmm. would it make it better if they were labeled? I, I think just, they would. I want to know what they are. Are they just like shortbread No, they're, they're biscuits. That's not a biscuit, unless you're b- talking about it in the British Br- Yeah, in the British terms. Also, he's going through a divorce, so show some compassion, okay? <laughs> Next! Hi, Barry. Hi, Matt. This is Courtney. So my family and I got a pool pass this summer, and Labor Day weekend, we decided to spend one more day at the damn pool, and our favorite thing to do is the Lazy River. There's a fucking woman running in the Lazy River. <laughs> it is a lazy river. Lazy. You float. <laughs> goddamn kids were splashing around. This woman ran a marathon, and she was going, excuse me, pardon me. And I almost knocked her in her tube over. Lazy River is for lazy people. You know what I absolutely love? A A lazy lazy river. river. Yeah. I just want to know. I I need video of this. Uh, I want to see this woman running... I mean, if she managed to run through water, that's a pretty amazing feat. That yeah. is a Jesus-level miracle, frankly. <laughs> Second of all, there's usually no space on a lazy river. No. They're not, there's not six feet separating people in a lazy Absolutely river. Absolutely not. You're usually tube to tube. You're touching <laughs> tubes. Anyway, um, my apologies f- for running through the lazy river. It wasn't my fault. What if she had... <laughs> What if she had explosive diarrhea and she was just trying to abide by the rules of the water park by getting out of the water and she couldn't just jump to the coast so she had to run through the middle? That's all I'm saying. See see the world through her eyes. Wow. She is about to explode anally. <laughs> Never thought you'd be a marathonist apologist. No, I'm still fascinated by the idea of someone running through a river. Yeah. How is that possible? I guess the lazy river is like two feet deep. Yeah, it's very shallow. And also it does have a slight current to it. So yeah, as it should. Yeah. I used to love going. There was like one water park we would go to. I don't even remember where, but in my in, in my memory, we traveled hours to get there, oh, yes. <laughs> perhaps days in our covered wagon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, almost definitely contracted some type of illness. Oh, absolutely. 
But then uh, there was one pool that we would go to that had a water slide and then a tornado hit it while we were in there. <gasps> we had to run to the bathrooms and seek shelter. And I have we had to run into the women's bathroom and I have a vivid memory of my cousin shaking and crying while eating a hot dog <laughs> as, as the storm like ravaged the pool that we were at. There was oh, literally gosh. like an entire tree that got ripped from the ground and 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 thrown into the water oh, that we had been gosh. in an hour earlier. Wow. Terrifying. So I guess you should be counting your lucky stars that you were just dealing with a marathon lady in the Lazy River instead of a full-blown tornado, okay? Yeah, exactly. It could always be worse. That's what I ever, that's what I say to anybody when they complain about their lives. Oh, oh, you're sick? Well, it could always be worse. Think about all the starving children. Yeah. That's my least favorite thing that people say. I do hate that. Whenever my mom, when I was little, would be like, oh, you have to finish a starving kid. Well, she never said that because I always finish my food. But <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, they weren't going to get this anyway. Yeah. Sorry. I wish they would, but you bought it <laughs> and you gave it to me instead of them. That was your fault. Yeah, really, this is on you. Next. Hey, Matt. Hey, Barry. I was just driving in my neighborhood and, you know, on my way to the local pharmacy, got to pick up those SSRIs, am I right? <laughs> and uh, I saw something that enrages me deep in my core. I mean, just makes my blood boil and my stomach churn. I mean, irrationally so, but it's so disgusting, okay? A car with eyelashes. What? <laughs> Why? Does anybody actually think it looks good? Like, does anybody put those on their vehicle and think, like, damn, she's sexy? Okay? I mean, it's creepy. It looks like extra long spider legs have just spontaneously generated out of your headlights. It's, it's horrifying. Okay? I mean, even even the cars in the the Golden Globe winning film, <laughs> cars don't have eyelashes because the good people at Pixar Animation knew it would give children nightmares. That's all I have to say. Do they not have eyelashes really? in cars? Is that true? The and sexy cars one? two and cars three erasure. I think their eyes were their head sh- their their windshields, so it right. was they probably didn't have eyelashes. Yeah. Up there. I could not agree more. I think it looks ridiculous. It genders your car in a really stupid way. I would say the only thing that's worse are cars that put the little balls on the back. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Why do you do this to all of us? There is a ver- a really sick, twisted genre of of decor that is the car accessory. Yeah, it's like the personification of your car. Yeah, it's an external car accessory, the exterior of your car getting getting an accessory to anthropomorphize it. That's the word, not personification. Yeah. Uh that being said, yeah, I would fuck a car. <laughs> That's the legacy that cars has left us with. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's got a hole back there. So you can put it in. You should absolutely not put it in. <laughs> I've seen videos of people oh, doing God. it. Oh, God. Oh, God. Not true. I mean, not not true. <laughs> um, that's It reminds me of when Lyft. Remember when Lyft started and all those cars had fucking mustaches yeah. on the front? That yeah. was pretty hot. <laughs> 
I would sit on that. You'd let that mustache tickle you? Yeah, exactly. But you would not let that car bat its long, long eyelashes at you. Evolutionarily, that is the purpose of a mustache and eyelashes is to get you to be like, I bet that would feel great against my asshole. Right, right. Has nothing to do with keeping dirt out of your eyes. No, I don't think so. No, Probably not. (laughs) So if you're going to put that on a car, it's going to send confusing signals to my brain. I don't know if I've ever truly seen eyelashes on a car, I'll be honest. Oh, I definitely have. Do they also have, like, eyes? No, No. the eyelashes go above the headlight. Yeah, and they're just, like, really long and plasticky. Do they blink? No. The other car thing that this reminds me of that is not at all similar to this, but we're in the season of it, is uh, the Halloween thing where people have like a hand that is coming out of the trunk. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's like, okay, well, you're just begging for Liam Neeson to (laughs) be following your car. You are asking for someone to pull you over and inspect your trunk. Or that's the perfect excuse to not get someone to pull you over because they're like, oh, that couldn't possibly be a real human trafficker. That's how where I where I went yeah. from eyelashes. I mean, I expect nothing else from you. The point is, don't make your car fuckable. I would strong agree on that. <laughs> and that's definitely what she was calling about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I could tell beneath the surface uh-huh. here was just like a deep... Pent up sexual, sexual frustration. frustration. Absolutely. Exactly. And I identify, so <laughs> <laughs> I say I get it. I It upsets me as well. Anyway, next! Matt, very right. Let me just break it down for you guys. What the fuck is the deal with crows i <laughs> have this route they go on it's about i don't want to brag sorry humble brag but it's like five miles maybe a little bit less like maybe three or maybe like one and a half but anyways that's not the point <laughs> there are crows on this route that fucking sit at the top of the trees they call to each other notify each other that i'm coming they assemble in a murder which is what I googled to see what you call a group of fucking crows, and it is a murder, so that is a red flag. They assemble and they bomb me. They, they are like trying to pick my eyes, pick my teeth. I don't know if they're trying to like grab my phone. I have no idea, but they're a fucking psychopath. I cannot deal with these motherfucking crows. Oh my god. <laughs> no. Okay, first of all, we just need to do a quick. Birdwatch 2021. Also, this call comes from Dubai in the the United Arab Emirates. Oh my gosh, hey. So uh, I didn't even know they had crows over there. No idea. Crows are such like a a, a personal menace. Whenever Mm -hmm. you do see a crow, it's like, okay, this crow is after me specifically. Yeah, I don't mean to victim blame here, but if a murder of crows is after you, you probably wronged at least one of the crows at some point. So I kind of had it coming. Uh, first of all, the crows do have eyes. They absolutely and we should, do. We should note that. Second of all, it is horrifying that crows, every fact that we learn about crows, like science, every fact that science learns about crows, it's just more and more terrifying. <laughs> They're like, actually, every every new study is like, actually, we found out that crows like perpetrated genocide. <laughs> We actually were fully, crows were fully involved in every tragedy that has ever befell humanity. Crows actually shot 
Franz Ferdinand, They're the, the first archbishop minions. that set off World War One. Okay? Absolutely. That was Crow's fault, actually. <laughs> actually, Crow's started the arms race in the 1980s. <laughs> and every, every one of those horrific PSAs that they had to show school children about hiding under their desks because of impending nuclear war, that was the Crow's fault. You blame the Crow's for that. Guess who did Chernobyl? <laughs> a Crow, probably. I was reading a book about how upsetting it is that just an entire generation of children were fully traumatized by the fact that they thought they would be blasted off the face of the earth at any time. Cool. Our parents' generation was so fucked. (laughs) Anyway, crows. Crows are by far the most upsetting of the birds, except for the cassowary, which is a dinosaur that is fully alive (laughs) in Australia or New Zealand or somewhere down there. So maybe you should be count yourself lucky that you don't have one of those following you. But that being said, you have been marked. Um, you are being followed. And there's nothing I can do from over here. So good luck. And finally. Hi, Barry. Hi, Matt. Um, hi, Putty. Thank you. My name's Carrie. I'm a veterinarian in Austin, Texas. And I would like to rant about the fucking audacity of human beings at this time bringing their pets in to veterinary hospitals. Holy shit, everyone and their mom got a goddamn animal during the pandemic. (laughs) Guess what? People really need to invest in plants instead of animals. Holy shit. Most of you are idiots. I'm sorry. Most of you, not most, 50-50 probably at this point, shouldn't own animals. You idiot. Um, I am sure this is not Barry. I am sure Putty is very well taken care of. But oh my God. And the sheer audacity of people being upset that they can't like walk in without waiting a few hours because like their dog has a torn toenail. Like I get it. Yeah, I'm going to see you. I'm going to get to you. I promise. But I've got things dying coming in that take priority or people that have been waiting for three hours. Thank God I'm on LexPro. Okay. Anyway, thank you very much, Matt, for not owning a pet. God bless. Bye-bye. <laughs> you are Absolutely so welcome. Absolutely drag him. <laughs> yeah. First of all, shout out to uh, Antidepressant. Yeah, really a strong sponsor of all of our listeners. Yeah. Second of all, you're being very generous by saying perhaps 50-50 people are idiots. <laughs> no, you were right. You were right. Most people are fucking idiots. I fully agree. I think most people should not have pets. That is why I've stopped myself from getting an animal multiple times <laughs> because I don't don't think I'm responsible enough yet. Okay. <laughs> I will also say that as someone who used to, I would I would say neurotically take my dog to the vet or hospital for anything that happened to him. Okay, the pandemic, so this is about you. The pandemic has been a great time to realize when is actually necessary. For instance, love that she brought up a torn toenail. Putty did get his little paws stuck in a little grate at one moment during the early on in the pandemic. Toenail ripped right off, oh. fully bleeding. I was sobbing, but Putty was like fine and was like walking home. He walked home. I was like, we absolutely need to go to the hospital. Alex was like, just hold on. I'll come home. Let's Dip evaluate. And we we did. We did. We yeah. dipped into corn and it was fine. Damn, I didn't even have to look that up. Look at by that. The You're way. a goddamn doctor. Yeah. Um, Do you know why? That's because I ripped out a number of dog toenails. <laughs> Not actually. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but, you know, I would just say that's been a great lesson for me is that I don't need to go to the animal hospital every time there's like a little bump on putty. Um, but that's a lesson a lot of people are not learning. And yeah. I'm sorry that you are the one who has to deal with everyone's idiocy. I mean, shout out to you. You're doing great work. People are idiots. You are right. <laughs> but yeah, people, I, I just, you should have to pass some sort of 
I should have to approve you in order to get it. There we go. Also, we've done this a couple of times um, during advice segments and rant segments where we kind of like leave a little audio note that you can then play for people. Um, And I feel like this might be a good opportunity. The next time someone comes in with a dog and they're like complaining that they're not being able to see you right away, things like that. I don't know, Matt, what would you say to them that Carrie could then play? Your dog is sick. That's what I would say. <laughs> Go home. Wait, wait. Your dog is sick. I'm so sad. Um, and I think that that'll really, <laughs> really help your practice um, and help the situation greatly. So try it out. Let us know how it goes. Um, you're not allowed to sue us. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine if you went to the vet and they were just like, wait, <laughs> wait. <laughs> It's a dog, okay? It's not a real human. At least vets have the option of being like, let's just kill it. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do that to a person, but you you can can do it to an animal. Absolutely. Um, Well, on that note, (laughs) fantastic Grant Hotline. Thank you all for calling in. Yeah, as always... Thank you. Thank you all for sharing. Thank you for bitching with us. We get literally hundreds of voicemails and we can't fit all of them into the pod. But guess what? We're still sharing them on our Instagram. Yeah. On Happy Hour on Instagram. So keep calling us at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. Next, we got Tommy Pico on the pod right after this commercial break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Shimol Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now, I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully, no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest who celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Well, my guest complainer today 
strap in. This is gonna be a, this is gonna be a long intro, okay? Poet, podcaster, TV writer. He's written the books IRL, Nature Poem, Junk, and Feed. He co-hosts the podcast Food for Thought and Scream Queen. He's a poetry editor and writes on the TV shows Resident Alien and Reservation Dogs. I am I'm simply exhausted listing out all all of the accolades. Welcome to the pod. I mean, Tommy how do you Pico. think I feel? I am also quite exhausted, my friend. Uh, I've been going. I, I actually had my first real day off yesterday uh-huh. for the first time in since maybe June 2020. Yeah, and we should know also that yesterday was Sunday. So <laughs> I'm you have not taken a Sunday off in. No, I mean, I've I've been fortunate enough for the past year and a half or so to be working in television and to Mm -hmm. be helping with other people's visions and scripts and stuff like that. So when I get quote unquote time off, it's time for me to work on my stuff. So I don't ever really feel like, I mean, I don't, I don't fundamentally understand the concept of relaxation. I mean, I know it's there. I know it is like your body doing nothing potentially. Uh I can't, I, I just, I have such a problem with that i deeply feel like there is a kind of work ethic inserted into me from my parents and from ancestors and shit like that to get stuff done and i also feel like i'm uniquely positioned to be able to work on things on my own and to also contribute to other people's visions and because of that i don't want to waste that opportunity but at a certain point you got to ask yourself what are you running from boo like why do you want to keep in steady motion and yesterday i was I, I mean, I just, I went, I went to a plant store and I just like smelled things. Ooh, that sounds beautiful. It was pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Did you buy any plants? No, but I made a, I, I bookmarked a few. Okay. <laughs> we added to the cart. Yeah. I, I, I uh, got back from three weeks in Vancouver while mm-hmm. I was on set and um, I have a lot of, I accumulated a lot of plants in quarantine. And so over those three weeks, a few of my babies um, didn't make it. So oh, I'm no. auditioning replacements, I guess you could say. Right. Right. I, I'm trying to become more of a plant gay and I, I was just gone for like three days. And the fact that all of my plants are still alive after that time, I'm like, success. <laughs> <laughs> I, I treat them so horribly all of the time that like the fact that they could survive a few days without me, they probably thrived in my absence. Okay, so our big question is, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? Anal. I just like, it's like... In this okay. community, it's like top, bottom, top, bottom, top, bottom, right. first, first, bottom, first, bottom, first, top, top, bottom, burst, bo- bottom, burst, bottom, burst. And I'm just like, this, shut the fuck up and go to sleep. Like, uh-huh. I don't want to insert myself inside of anybody because I'm not a colonizer, but I also would resent anyone who penetrated me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, we've done over 150 episodes of this podcast. No one has ever said anal before. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I it's, feel it's like a, I just, we could stop recording right now. I feel like that is all we need. It is my secret shame because, uh-huh. you know, I just, I feel like there's so much discourse over who's getting it and who's giving it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I just, I want to have like a maple scone and like <laughs> sit in a chair, in a wingback, maybe put my feet up and watch something. I, yeah. I don't, it's just so much work. And then it's like, okay, so if you want to get in and then it's like the checklist of things that you have to do to make sure that it's going to be okay. And, and, and an elf shoe isn't going to come out of there. And like, and then the other way, I just, it, there's too much calculate. It's too much of a white lady math meme for me. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to take myself out of this. We could right. do 
hand stuff or like mouth stuff and then I could just go home. How about that? Right. Yeah, I remember, I think it was like this past summer or early in the summer. I don't know where it was published, but someone wrote something about, um, I think it, they called it sides, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Which is like people who are kind of like, yeah, I, I don't I don't really like that one way, I, like top or bottom. It's just like, you know, side by side. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, it really puts you in a particular light in the queer community. And uh, so I wouldn't, it's not something I would necessarily put on a dating app. But, Uh you know, it's definitely within the first couple of, like, on the first date, I want you to know that, like, if you want to keep doing this, that's great. One of these things might not happen. So. Right, right. Yeah. But I also but I also don't I don't require monogamy either. And it's like if you want that thing, you can get it from somebody else. I ain't going to resent it cuz I ain't going to give it to you. Yeah, yeah. You're just saying this is what's going to happen or not happen in this situation. Mhm. Yeah. But but you know, I mean, I feel like desire is mutable and I can want things differently and I've been taught to want things differently at this point in my life. This is what I want, but you know, every now and then sometimes you discover something new like when you're with somebody new. You know, I I, I remember the first time I I realized that this dude I was have I was swimming around with really was into getting his pits licked. Uh, uh-huh. I didn't I didn't prepare for that. But sure. when it came, I was like, I will absolutely do this for you because yeah, you yeah. love this and I don't have a stigma against it. And it's just like, you know, sometimes people teach you different things. Yeah. I would uh, kind of love to imagine what the preparation for pit licking would even look like. <laughs> what kind of exercises you would be doing leading up to, you know, your first official pit licking. Mm, me, 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 moo. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it was it was so spontaneous. And I was like, oh, it's like one of those things when you realize that so much of intimacy is body language mm-hmm. and being able to be literate in somebody else's body language. And it wasn't vocalized. He wasn't like, do this. And I wasn't like, I'm going to do this for you. It was somehow like our bodies learned how to do that with each other. And sure. I mean, that's not to say that obviously ask for consent and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was just it was a moment of like our, our bodies were communicating in a way that my frontal lobe wasn't really aware of, I guess. <laughs> Right, right. You had to get you had to get that programming in, so now you're prepared for next time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you said you you were traveling a lot. You you were just in Vancouver for oh my God, a it was few so weeks. Great. The thing is, like, I hadn't. Tra- it was the first time I traveled since yeah. February of 2020, which was, like, think when my last... Because in the before times, I was a touring performer. So I would right. tour on my poetry all the time, and that's kind of how I made my living. And, of course, pandemic gear grinded that to a halt. Mm-hmm. I didn't travel at all. And it's like, I was so... I mean, I was in an airport anywhere from three to six times a week, mm-hmm. you know? And to then have an entire year and change, like, 18 months where I didn't go anywhere was an adjustment, a, like a, a cellular adjustment, you know? Yeah. And I was so apprehensive. And it's because I had the opportunity. I don't think I can say what it is, but I was like working on a show. Uh, and mm-hmm. I had written the episode and I also then got to play a character on it. I had never had a particular ambition to be in front of the camera ever. And in fact, I actively fought my showrunner every step of the way. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Uh-huh. You're a shitty dumbass for thinking I could do this. I mean, I was <laughs> such a fucking brat. Uh-huh. And it was like, he just wants to give you an unprecedented opportunity that people in this town would kill me for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was being offered. But um, the night before I I was supposed to go, I mean, it had all happened so quickly. Like I closed my deal on a Friday. They bought my ticket on a Monday. I was like on my way to Vancouver on Tuesday. And that Monday I was like in a panic. 
Yeah. I had like a full body sweat and I was like laying naked in the middle of my floor in the kitchen, just like, who thought I could do this? I can't do this. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get in front of these cameras. I'm going to sweat through my makeup. They're going to have to do it again. I'm not going to remember my lines. I'm not going to be able to deliver it well. 40, 50 people who carrying cameras and grips and shit and hair and makeup people, they're going to be sitting there waiting for me to get this done. I'm not going to be able to do it. They're going to cast me last second. And why did I think I could do this? Why did I think I could do this? And then I had this idea. I was like, if I go out and catch COVID right now, if I go to a CD <laughs> bar and I lick no. the seats and I get COVID, they're not going to let me on set and it won't be my fault because it's sure. a pandemic. <laughs> I was like, you're fucking brilliant. Thankfully, I didn't do that. I went through yeah. I, I, I did actually just put my clothes back on and packed a bag mm-hmm. <laughs> and went to bed and got on a plane the next day. But yeah, it was lovely. I was there for three weeks and it's just Vancouver is so, I mean, I lived in New York for 15 years. New York City has my heart and my soul. Mm-hmm. Like I will always consider myself a New Yorker to a certain extent, but like Vancouver was pretty dope. It was kind of like if Seattle and New York had a baby, like it had that right. Pacific Northwest feel, but it was still like a concentrated downtown and, and everybody walked everywhere, which is something mm-hmm. that they don't do in Los Angeles and that I really, really, really missed. Just yeah. like leaving the door and then going like for an hour and ending somewhere you didn't expect to be. And it was mm-hmm. all, it was, it was so dope. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, Vancouver, Vancouver is like way West Canada, right? It's like straight up. Yeah. yeah same yeah. time zone as, as Los Angeles. It's just like right. a straight shot up there. Yeah. This is, this is the level of geography knowledge that I, that I bring to things. <laughs> I didn't know either. So I was like, some of the people I was on set with, they were like, Toronto and 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 Ottawa or like uh, uh, Montreal and I was like oh yeah so she's just like over down the way and they were like no it was like a five hour flight that's like the east coast and I was like yeah. oh Canada <laughs> <laughs> I realized I was just telling someone because I I went to Toronto for work a few years ago and it took me several days into that trip before I realized I was not paying for things in American dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's embarrassing about me because I would just pay with a credit card and then I'd look at the statement and be like, wait, why is it a different amount? Uh, and I realized it was doing the conversion, but that the symbol was still the same dollar sign, but yeah. it was Canadian dollars instead of American dollars. It's like everything there is just different enough to be like, okay, I'm in a different place. Yeah, and it's also like everything is also in French. Mm-hmm. So it's well, like yeah. the one side of the Trisket box is in English and then the other side is in French. And you're like, I'm in a different place. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess it, in Toronto, which is the only place in Canada I've been, I don't know if it's quite the same level of French as the other parts of Canada. So I don't know. Anyway, well... Congrats. It's uh, I mean you you pushed through. You did not uh forcibly give yourself covid to avoid. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, I'm this. I'm actually a first responder. I'm like a hero. You know what I mean? For for <laughs> Truly, what I didn't yeah. get myself into. Um We're going to bring back 7 p.m. clapping just for you. <laughs> I do love on your website, in your bio, you literally write, "Quote, I've begrudgingly realized I'm a performer." Yeah, was that a was that a just in the last few weeks thing or did was that quote from a from a performing poetry place it was that was the the poetry place i mean the truth of the matter is like i you don't get into poetry for the glamour let me tell you that much <laughs> my one no? and only ambition 
since I was a teenager was to be a poet. And like, mm-hmm. for some reason, I, 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 got, I got to college and I was like, wait a minute. I went to, I was, thought I was going to go to medical school. So I mm-hmm. studied science and math for like four years. And I graduated and I didn't matriculate to medical school, but I kind of I stopped and I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I got, I had this, this moment where I was like, you know what, if I worked really, 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 really hard and studied every single day and devoted all of my life to this, I could be potentially a B plus doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you get to the hospital, you don't want a B plus doctor. Like true. It's, it's that's not a, a great rubric, but I thought if I applied the same amount, I could, I could, like, I seriously believed I could be an A-plus writer. And that's kind of when everything changed and I got to Brooklyn and I was so shy. Matt I was so incredibly shy. I couldn't get on stage. I couldn't get in front of people without turning beet red. I couldn't get in front of people without sweating from every pore in my body yeah. uh, and trembling. Like, it, it felt like life or death. And I, I totally understood why people feared public speaking more than they feared, you know, uh, death itself. And mm-hmm. I felt like that. But I made myself get on stage. I, I was like, the only way I'm going to get over this is if I get... If I go through it, I, mm-hmm. I signed myself to open mics and ma- I started my own reading series so that I would have a venue and I would have a platform to like read on every as, as often as possible. And then I started to get a little bit more comfortable. And then I started to realize that I was an, I'm going to say this with no small amount of like sentiment or ego, but like uh-huh. I kind of felt I was like a natural. Uh-huh. And I realized that actually when I was a child... That's what I wanted to do. It's like all it was all coming back to me like a Celine Dion song. And I was like, oh, my God, I used to love this. I used to like love dancing and singing in front of people. And and, and I was really I had gravitated towards it. But I realized that like sort of in my transition into puberty and, and my awareness of my sexuality. I mean, it wasn't this is the God's honest truth. I always knew that I was a fag. Like I just always knew <laughs> uh-huh. it. I just didn't understand that other people weren't. Right. And so in my maturation... <laughs> Uh-huh. Understanding that I was actually the outlier. Yeah. And that I could become in a moment's notice due to the sound of my voice and the way that I move my body, the object of violence. Mm. That really inhibited me. Mm-hmm. And so I started I talked less and I moved less and I got more I called my body my cement. You know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I became my own watery grave and um, it took that kind of performance and it took that kind of exuberance and it took that kind of play to find mm-hmm. myself out of it and to resituate into myself the fact that like a moth to a flame, you know, like yeah. this is, this is, this is the thing I can, I, I was like, I can make my voice do anything I want to. Of course I can get up in front of people and do like weird things. And like when somebody shouts action, I can like get into it. Like if that's mm-hmm. my job or get on stage in front of Sometimes five people, which can be mortifying, but I always felt like you have to kill it for a small crowd. Like, and that's kind of the begrudging part was me understanding and like letting go of the fact that like, I really, really, and through no fault of my own, you know, through the fault of homophobia and patriarchy and misogyny and all the the, the phobias, Mm -hmm. um, I had almost successfully derailed myself from the thing that brings me so much joy. And that was a part of the like, all right, I'm, I'm this thing. I'm this right. thing. I'm a, I'm a jester. I'm a clown. I get it. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> We're all yeah. in on the joke now. <laughs> yeah. I loved, I read that you, you referred to kind of getting out and performing as like exposure therapy, which I love. Like, yeah, a lot of times it is like, you just have to kind of do it and do it and do it. And like, 
own the discomfort and yeah. It, it but sounds like, like you've come out on the other side of that, perhaps. But it's still occasionally, like I did to myself before I went to Vancouver. I, yeah. I feel like that is a ghost. <laughs> right. I yeah. feel the pull of that sort of primordial fear of mm-hmm. ex- being exposed in front of people. It can feel exposing. And there are so many ways that I think we oftentimes, in, in the wake of some type of trauma, um, our feedback loop gets fucked up. Mm-hmm. And it's and 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 ensuring that it's a healthy feedback loop. It requires work every single day. It's not like I did a bunch of work and then all of a sudden everything's great from here on outward. I still have to check in with myself and to ensure that like that is still you know that that if I'm saying no to something because this is what I kept coming back to with my showrunner. Do I not want to do this because it's something I don't want to do, or do I not want to do this because I'm scared? Right. And if I'm scared, it means I have to do it. And the other part of it was like, all I have ever wanted to be is the best writer. And this isn't mm-hmm. like a rubric or a valuatory or like me in competition with other people. It's just like being the best in and of myself. And I realized mm-hmm. that like also playing that character would make me a better writer. And it has and it did. And being on set made me a better writer. And it has and it did. So um, as long as it's I think I can I can I can convince myself of doing many things if I say to myself, well, you're going to be a better writer after this. I mean, you know, maybe that's maybe I'll become a power top or a power bottom. And I'll be like, that's because it's going to make me a better writer. I don't know. I can't predict the future, Matt. I'm just saying this is how I got into it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that you can convince yourself that literally anything will make you a better writer in that case. It's like, have you considered you murder? Know. I don't yeah. know. Make me a better writer. <laughs> it might. How do you how, if you're going to write that character? It's time to start committing some murders. Maybe some murders. I don't know. I'm hearing fires. I am just, you know, I'm in Southern California. I'm hearing fires. So. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we should say, because you you, uh, were in the writer's room for Reservation Dogs, and that was your first TV writing job. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I I mean, like, again, it was um, something that came along at the right time, because I wasn't uh, able to perform any longer mm-hmm. and I was living off of the small bit of savings that I could accrue from the past four years of touring. And it was like, you know, this is early pandemic. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was floating on my meager savings and every mm-hmm. month, like so much money was getting bled out of me. Yeah. And then in June, it was June, 2020 that um, Sterling got in touch and he was like, we're putting together this writer's room. He had, I had written a feature that he read and mm-hmm. he liked, and there was, I think six of us in the room and it was just like a five weeks that changed my life. And I was like, I guess I do this now. I mean, yeah, congrats. It seems, it seems pretty great. Um, this is, I'm going to take a, a, a turn and say, um, I do love how much you reference and write about Beyonce. I, I, I fought the urge to, to wear my Beyonce shirt, um, <laughs> just for you on Zoom. Oh, nice. Um, Beyonce self-titled came out on your birthday. Yeah. Which is yeah. like a blessing. It was hard not to feel like the queen had somehow, um, you know, seen me and minted my existence to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was, um, when I turned 30 and I, 
in retrospect, it was so stupid. But I was like, my my all of my friends had um, they'd thrown me a surprise party the week before, and it, mm-hmm. so like the day of, I was like, you know what, you all did your duty. It's okay. Like I'm just gonna spend this day on my own. I'm gonna reflect about getting older. Like da da da. da. Like all of the shitty things that a 29 year old thinks is gonna happen once like the clock strikes 12 and they're 30. And it was like nine o'clock, and I I kind of had this like jolt. 9 p.m. I had this jolt where I was like, oh, I had 9, 10, 11, 12. I have three hours left of my 20s. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Like, what What am I going to do? And I went to a poetry reading and I connected with some friends and I was like, fine. And we went out for drinks and I kind of stumbled home. And it was like I got back to my apartment and it was like midnight and my mother called me to wish me happy birthday. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I was like on Twitter, which, you know, it's since I've it, uh, RIP. But uh, uh-huh. there was I started to notice this feed mm-hmm. was like. Oh my God, new Beyonce. 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 And I, I was like, all right, bye mom. And I immediately bought self-titled and I spent the entire night watching it, listening to it. And it really reset my I, my creative ambition for what I could do myself because I had just kind of started getting into epic poetry. I just started reading like book length poems, mm-hmm. but I saw self-titled as being that one long poem. And I saw like the visual metaphors that she kind of made throughout the the different videos. And I saw them as being a, a interlinked masterpiece. And right. it was like, Beyonce is the long poet of our time. Like she's the mm-hmm. epic poet of our time. And that kind of, I was like, it, it made it, because I was able to comprehend her body of work in that album, I was like, you need to give yourself a little bit more credit. And I started to be more, more, voraciously read long poems and then by that summer I was writing my first book and it was in itself a long poem well we're almost at the end I want to ask about um well reservation dogs for one if you want to give the listeners like the the lowdown on what it is what it's all about yeah it's a uh created by uh Sterling Harjo and Taika Waititi it's Mm -hmm. about four teenagers who live in Oklahoma on a res there on a reservation there and uh, they're they're trying to beg, borrow, and steal enough money to get to California mm-hmm. because there used to be a fifth member of their little group who's no longer on this mm-hmm. earth. And, you know, they blame the place that they live and they're trying to get away from it. Yeah. And along the way, kind of realizing what they really love about the place as well. Right. Um, and we were renewed for season two. So we're in the writer's room for season two right now. And it's I, I and it's just like brimming with brilliant indigenous uh, writers and creators. I mean, the the season our first season there was six of us, and within that six, I mean, I don't think I think mm, one mm-hmm. maybe one or two of them were, came from a traditional television background, and the rest of us were, you know, poets yeah. or filmmakers or uh, uh, you know ridiculous dreamers um, who found ourselves in. In, in what it, it still feels outrageous to say out loud, but the first all indigenous yeah. writers room in, in the history of Hollywood right. in the year of our Lord 2020. And, mm-hmm. and in 2021, having Reservation Dogs come out and also Rutherford Falls, which was another show that had a lot of indigenous representation in it, to have those two types of comedies come out in the same year and for them to be so different from each other and showed the breadth of like what indigenous comedy and television can look like and can be. And the fact that there are so many other projects that, I don't even know about that are like in various stages of either they've been written, they're getting ready for production, they're staffing or they're like in pre-production or whatever, like so many other indigenous projects. It makes me hopeful for what the future of indigenous representation can look like in in this town and the kinds of things that we can advocate and demand, advocate for and demand. And the I, I think mm-hmm. I definitely felt a hesitance because um, a, 
about what I could ask for and or what the show could ask for, what the show could demand because of right. It, it felt so much like, well, we're being given this one opportunity. Yeah. Like our people as a whole are being given one chance. <laughs> so don't fuck it up. And, and I, 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 I know for a fact that like, none of us imagined it to be, I, mm-hmm. we all kind of imagined that it might be a little indie hit in Indian yeah. country that maybe our cousins would see it. Maybe <laughs> if they didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. And the, the, the type of exposure and success that it's gotten, I don't think anyone, any of us were prepared for. And I think it has also shifted my ambition and, and made me um, want bigger and more and braver and harder <laughs> um, and more pure and more and more slutty. You know, I, I just feel like um, that the, right. there are things that I didn't imagine I could do because I never saw anybody like me doing them. And I think anything that I've ever done, I've wanted to do because I am from a place where teenagers commit suicide at Mm -hmm. extremely high levels. And Indian country, I think, um, is like the, has the highest statistic of of Mm -hmm. teenage suicide in, in, in the world. And I think all of us just really wanted to make stuff that made teenagers want to stay here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, you know, a comedy. <laughs> it I mean, that's also, I mean, you know, it also, I got to do my stupid red lobster jokes and like, uh-huh. it was, it was all, you know, and like that, that each of the episodes, I think there's so much to be said about the tone that the show strikes yeah. that, that there are absolute tragedies and mm-hmm. sublime moments of humor and that those coexist in the world and that yeah. it's not one or the other. It's not intense, you know, trauma porn. And it isn't like, uh, like a super joke dense, like, uh, like scrubs or anything like that, you know, right. that like that there, there is a, well, scrubs is like a bad example because it had a lot of depth to it, but, it, but, but, there, but there are, there is high humor and high stakes. Yeah. It's not the three stooges. <laughs> well, yeah. Or, or I think it's entirely out now. Season one, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, everyone can watch. It's on, it's on FX on Hulu slash Hulu. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then well, before I let you go, you're also, uh, because you're doing a thousand things, um, doing, uh, what is it, the fourth season of Scream Queens? The, as of as of when we're recording this right now, we've released the first episode on Food for Thoughts podcast feed. Um, right. But it's a podcast that I, I do with uh, my co-host, Drea Washington, where we talk about scary movies, which we're both horror fanatics. Like, in the entire uh-huh. time I've been friends with Drea, we'd have that moment where we'd go off in the corner and ask, like, have you seen this? Have you seen that? What did you think of this movie? What did you think of that movie? Um, because we both like have loved horror since we were children. But, you know, as an indigenous gay man and as a, a, a queer black woman for her, like we never really saw ourselves in these movies, but we had to, but, but that wasn't a barrier to our enjoying them. And in fact, like mm-hmm. it enhanced our imagination and we still loved deeply loved horror. I mean, you're doing, you're doing a, so much <laughs> people can find so many things yeah i i mean we're just about at time uh so besides everything that we've mentioned so far um where where can people find you in, in your work well for now you can find me at hey teebs h-e-y-t-e-b-s on instagram but that might mm-hmm. change in the future i'm also okay. at that if that changes, if I'm not, I probably will update my site a little bit more. That is Tommy-Pico.com. Um, you can find my books on IndieBound.com. That will 
take them from a local bookstore of yours instead of from Amazon mm-hmm. and deliver them to your doorstep. You can also find Reservation Dogs on FX on Hulu. And my season of Resident Alien, I think, starts airing in February. And then season two of Reservation Dogs will be after that. You can also find my podcasts, uh, Food for Thought. That's food, the number four, and thought spelled T-H-O-T. It's for gay sluts who love to read. Uh, You can find us at Food for Thought Pod. And then also Scream Queen, um, Scream Queen Podcast, uh, at Scream Queen Podcast on Instagram as well. There is no shortage of... Tommy Pico greatness out there. <laughs> I mean, it might, you know, you might get a little tired of it. I don't know. I'm tired. I'd be tired of listening to myself too. <laughs> I mean, I have to live in here all day, so I know. <laughs> true, true. Well, thank you so much. I hope you get another day of, of rest and relaxation and plant sniffing before, uh, you know, before, before too the long. Next one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. This was a joy. Thank you. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that help all the bad shit go down easier, starting with Do Better White People, where we highlight some anti-racism resources and other actions we could take to make our world a little bit better. This week, I wanted to bring up uh, a great list that was put together by Raquel Willis, who we've mentioned on the pod before. She is a wonderful Black trans activist. So she's put together this amazing list uh, of organizations that are led by Black trans people or or serve Black trans people. And it's broken down by categories. Some, uh, in particular, um, focus on art and culture and media, um, like the Black trans Femmes in the Art, which creates space for a production and preservation of Black trans art and culture. There's the Garden of Peace Project, which centers Black trans and queer youth. So we'll include that that long list, and I, I hope you can go through and, and pick a couple that, that speak to you. Yeah, this was sort of inspired. There was... Uh, I don't need to say his name. He's gotten enough publicity, but a a particular comedian who we have talked about on the pod before. We sure have. Who, uh, I I don't know, has devoted like the last four of his specials to just uh, talking about uh, trans women in in a derisive way. It is so baffling to me. I don't understand it on any level. It was just very upsetting to me. I, and I think, um, yeah, people have, people have gone after Netflix over, over hosting this guy and having his specials continue to come out. Given that at the very least go and support some of these organizations that are actually working and doing good for black trans groups and being led by black trans people. Uh, so we'll include that list in our show notes. Let's talk about the TV we've been watching this week. I haven't been watching a ton of new stuff. I'm very behind on Riverdale. But today, Kiernan Chipka posted uh, something that alludes to a crossover where Sabrina is finally in Riverdale. That's my shit. I'm going to get back on that train. So I've been behind. I'm going forward. Uh, I did see that on the like Twitter trending topics. I saw that. I have been waiting. about Sabrina returning. I have been waiting for her to be, for the crossover to happen. I have a lot of thoughts about the ways that Riverdale has um, not leaned into it enough. The mm-hmm, fact that it's mm-hmm. in the same universe. But I will have more thoughts after I watch it um, and continue watching this season. So that is. Really is it. What about you? What have you been watching this week? This week, I I watch all of The Prince on HBO Max. What uh, is if that? If you're unaware, oh. it's the animated show yes. by Gary Janetti, who I love. It got, it got a lot of flack um, when it first came out. 
I think because it coincided unfortunate timing that it came out right after Prince Philip died. Oh, no. (laughs) And so they had to kind of like walk back. And also it was not long after the like Meghan and Harry Oprah interview, I think. Mm. It's an animated parody version of the royal family Uh that was inspired by this Instagram uh, series that Gary Gennetti did where he, he would write these captions of photos of Prince George who is a child <laughs> about him being sort of this sassy bitchy little little kid um and i i think it's hilarious and i love i love the show i mean yeah it's they're like so clearly cartoon like ridiculous versions of these people um but yeah i mean prince philip is uh, portrayed as like a skeleton basically which he was so aren't we all we all have skeletons but yeah i mean i i i get it's not everybody's cup of tea cup of tea oh it's not everybody's cuppa right um yeah gary janetti did uh, was an executive producer perhaps still is a consulting producer on family guy and like you know that is my (laughs) it's right up my alley we know um and we love for you. Anyway, I, it also has a great voice cast. Orlando Bloom is is Prince Harry. Um, Sophie Turner is Princess Charlotte, and a whole bunch of others. Alan Cumming is in it. It's just a great voice cast, and they're only like twelve minute episodes. Oh, love that. Uh. Anyway, what's your non-TV chaser? My non-TV chaser is extremely specific, but here we go. My nine-year-old British cousin. Uh, got my number uh-huh. <laughs> and started. I just got a WhatsApp message that said, hi, Barry, it's me, Noah. And then exactly one minute later, I got another one that said, answer me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first child I've ever texted with. Um, we've already started sending little voice messages to each other. It just fills me with joy to be WhatsApping with my with my little cousin uh, across the pond. Yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of our, our British royals, um, yeah. Noah is one of them. So what about you? What's your chaser this week? That reminds me of my my mom was texting me because some they'd been at like a wedding and there was this one gay person there Classic. who was I don't know five or six years younger than I am and and she sent a picture and was like everyone was saying whether like you two would be good together <laughs> but I and then people were like no he's too young for you. Um, no idea who this person is. It's a <laughs> classic case of like w- the one gay person you know. Yep. Um, but she was sending all of this and I didn't reply. And then literally three minutes later, she said, are you getting my text? <laughs> I was like, <sighs> to be fair, I was about to go take a nap. But yeah. Anyway, um, that is not my chaser. <laughs> my chaser. I mean, we did... Um, I don't know. This week has been a crazy week, but we did get ice cream last night. And I have been thinking in particular about this maple bourbon. It was so good. Yeah, that I am. I am a slut for fall flavors. Yeah, especially in ice cream. I had it it was pumpkin with ooey gooey cake in it. And it was oh, man, it was good. (sighs) I know. I regret not getting that also. But the good news is McConnell's pumpkin flavors back. (gasps) Yes, we haven't talked about McConnell's in so long. Because they haven't sponsored us yet. Sponsor us, bitch, please. They do have an ice cream of the month club that's approximately $4,000 a month. And I will (laughs) 
do it. But yeah, I I will sell my soul for McConnell's. Um, but yeah, we had ample hills. That yeah, was so good. It was really amazing. And I'm still thinking about it, even though I did have violent diarrhea. <laughs> It was a, a sweet reminder that um, I should not be eating ice cream like that anymore because my stomach cannot handle it. Yeah, no, I had um, some of the worst stomach pain of my life <laughs> today. <laughs> uh, and in a way that I can only assume was, okay, either I'm getting ill, um, which I don't think is the case because I did take a test, or it's something else, or um, it's because I had ice cream at like 10 p.m. <laughs> There's no way of knowing. Anyway, so shout out to Ice Cream. Shout out to, I don't know, your fucking cousin. <laughs> and um, that's it. Anyway, that's it for today's show. Thanks for listening to Unhappy Hour. If you want more Unhappy Hour shit, and obviously you do, you can head straight to my Patreon page where you'll get video of bonus Worst Things First stories, video of extended guest complainer interviews, and an entire separate podcast feed of all the bonus stories every single week. So it's like a second day of Unhappy Hour shit right in your podcast feed. That's patreon.com slash You can also buy some merch at unhappyhourshop.com and as always, head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you get podcasts, follow us, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, Arlena Revelo, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hansdale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Belisai. You can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter and Unhappy Hour on Instagram for all the latest podcast buzz. You can leave us a voicemail on our rant hotline at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. Happy birthday to Melissa. Recording this. Did he fart? He farted. No. He farted. <laughs> we almost made it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>